So, Titanic. Now, I think we were both in the same boat. We did not rewatch Titanic in advance of this episode. I think I'd seen it enough times. And I'd only seen it twice, but I was like, ah, yeah, I basically got it. But of course, then I was kind of doing some of my research here, and I was like, oh, maybe there's some things I don't know. It, specifically, I think I was like, yeah, I kind of got the Jack and Rose stuff in mind, but that's not the history stuff. So as far as like the actual like nuts and bolts of the actual historical characters, like the crew members that are actually historic on the Titanic, those are the scenes you kind of forget. Like I even had to pull up on YouTube a little bit, the scenes of like the radio operators getting the uh, warning signals and dealing with the messages about the, the conditions on the ice. So I didn't really remember any of that until I was kind of doing the research and felt inclined to look it up. Yeah, yeah, I was the same way. You know, I I didn't really remember a lot of that stuff either. But they did uh, actually get get a lot of stuff right and kind of go out of their way. Well, not necessarily go out of their way, but they did include a lot of the actual uh, the crew and like the ship uh, designer, ship builder. I forget his name, but they they included a lot of those in there as just kind of almost like little Easter eggs. Like you wouldn't necessarily know that those are, you know, historically significant people until you actually do research into the actual history of the Titanic. Which, which good on James Cameron. And of course, and I guess we should say too, and again, this is just from listening to podcasts and stuff that for those who don't know, James Cameron basically made the whole movie Titanic so that he could get the funding to go down and do a expedition to the actual titanic like so when they got the money to go down and kind of like film that stuff down at the actual site and do research at the actual site he made for darn sure he was in the capsule like he's just kind of he's a he kind of nerds out about this deep sea stuff in 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 real life and just kind of basically structure the whole movie of, of titanic around his love for that kind of stuff so props to him as far as that goes and again i do on youtube just now i was kind of watching a thing where they're going through the control panel and he was just it kind of even made me geek out about it when he's talking about like, yeah, here's the control panel in this position. You know, this, this knob is in this position because that's how the radio operators would have left it before they had to get out of there because the water was about to short everything out and electrocute them. And I was like, oh, that's kind of fascinating. And you just kind of see these ruins that are – you can't bring the Titanic up. It's too – I mean, I don't even know how you would do it unless you just started taking it all apart and bringing up the pieces. So it just kind of, it's just down there. So it it is kind of fascinating, fascinating as a artistic achievement. And I remember too, vaguely, and kind of more, I guess, from uh, hearing things after the fact that before the movie came out, so I think it was the most expensive movie ever made to a ridiculous degree where everyone kind of assumed that James Cameron was just going to lose his butt and this movie was just going to be a total train wreck and not make any money and just be a huge loss for the studio. And they were wrong. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It, uh, it, it won, obviously it was nominated for 14 Academy Awards. Um, and then beyond that, it made $343.6 million worldwide. Oh wait, no, sorry. No, that's, worldwide that's, total two yeah. point two point one eight billion. Right. The second film to gross more than two billion dollars after Avatar, right? But and of course, and then that was later. I'm pretty sure at the time. Oh, okay. So before Avatar broke the record at the time. So when? Because I think Titanic did it beat Star Wars. I don't have the list in front of me. Uh, oh, okay. Sorry, you're right. That that was in 2012. That was like a, a 3D re-release. So the initial uh, worldwide gross of 1.84 billion. Yeah. So that's what I was thinking. Um, so, and it was the first first movie ever to make a billion dollars right so that's what i was thinking is that it was the first movie ever to make more than a billion and it almost hit two 
Yeah. Like it, it didn't even make sense too. Like it was it was still number one at the box office, just like like months after release. It was just kind of this ridiculous phenomenon that yes, even though two movies now have passed it, because did you in game actually just beat Avatar for all time? Yeah. That if you look at like a per I don't know, it's just yeah, no, no phenomenon like this. Not actually I do I say that though. I do think if you adjust for inflation, Gone with the Wind might still be number one, even ahead of all three of those. But crazy phenomenon with people, you know, going to see it just so many times and just just the interesting phenomenon. And, and you know, James Cameron at the Oscars famously declaring just like Jack does, I'm king of the world, hold, holding up his Oscars. Definitely an iconic movie moments, man. And, just, and I think all that was, you know, what, 22 years ago. So and I almost don't even think we really need to rehash the movie itself. If you, ha- I mean, if you haven't seen Titanic, it is a kind of a neat I- idea to approach. You take the his- this historic tragedy and you get to, you know, recreate digitally this massive ship that was the biggest ship in the world at the time. I think, you know, nowadays everything just kind of dwarfs it. But at the time, it was the, the biggest ship uh, on the planet. And this huge, just kind of luxury liner, basically that was gonna that was on its way to New York on its maiden voyage when it crashed, uh, hitting an iceberg. And then he you took that event and then made a love story set among different characters, and then importantly of different classes uh, on board the ship, having like the the poor ragamuffin played by Leonardo DiCaprio getting involved with the kind of the well-to-do heiress played by Kate Winslet, and it's kind of that iconic, almost kind of a Romeo and Juliet kind of love story set against this glorious tragedy. And so I, I really don't think we need to recount the plot beyond that. I'd, be, I'd rather more focus on the actual events of the Titanic. Just one thing about it, it wasn't, you know, thought that it was going to be very successful, but, you know, with the, uh, I don't think anybody expected it to be not only such a huge commercial success or such a huge critical success. I mean, it won, what, 8, 10, 11 Academy Awards? I think it won 11, yeah. Okay, yeah, Best Picture, Best Director, Best Score, Best Center. I mean, you know, swept the Oscars in 98. But then in addition to all of that, even, it became this kind of, you know, it was a, a cultural event, basically. And it's, you know, it's just become so iconic, you know, the I'm king of the world and the, uh, you know, that I'll never let go, Jack. Like, you know, <laughs> everybody knows everybody knows what that is now. Um, right. And the idea so. that both of them could have actually fit on that door. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, and, yeah, no, the cultural phenomenon thing is interesting because even though two movies have beat it, I don't think they were that level. Sorry. They were for sure not that level of cultural phenomenon. Even Avengers Endgame, I would argue, is not. Even though it's it's very much in the zeitgeist and is kind of the culmination of this very, very prevalent uh, movie series, I still don't think... It's kind of the whole Internet Age thing they talk about, where, you know, back in the day, everybody was watching the same stuff, but nowadays, you only need a fraction of that kind of audience to be the biggest show on TV or biggest movie in the theater, because every, there's there's... Our attention now is pulled in so many different ways that it's hard to ever get coalesced back to one single point, which is, I think, why we've talked about before, like something like Game of Thrones is, is that iconic. And I, I don't know. So I, Titanic, I just don't think we'll have something like that. That's probably the most recent example where everybody was kind of focused on the one thing. Of course, I say that. I actually don't think I saw it until a couple of years after it was in the theater, even <laughs> though I was in college when it came out. But anyway, so... The ship itself, and I was actually wrong on the year. In my mind, I was thinking 1911. It was 1912. So in April of 1912, the ship left uh, Southampton in England 
and kind of made a couple other stops to pick up passengers in France. And then again, was it in Ireland maybe? And then it was heading over to New York. And it had over 2,000 people on board. When it did run into some issues, and I'm kind of jumping around here, but uh, it hit the iceberg. It did, kind of as we see in the movie, it took almost three hours to sink. So kind of how the movie depicts that as being this slow event is is accurate. And it, it wasn't necessarily... Yes. Yeah. But what I thought was the most interesting in kind of researching this was it's kind of both. So at one point you kind of say, man, they were kind of careless and there were precautions. But at the same time, you kind of see how it would happen. It was just kind of a perfect storm of bad luck and bad decisions, I guess you would say. So, I mean, the captain himself was very, very competent. He'd been doing this kind of stuff for 40 years he knew it down cold. Now, he ended up being asleep because they hit the icebergs in the night. There was definitely ice in the area, but they call it like surface ice. really isn't an issue. The ship just goes right through all that. They're moving fast, but they talk about that kind of being fairly standard at the time. And, and saying they were going irresponsibly fast is almost just kind of like a hindsight is twenty twenty thing. And they weren't doing anything out of the ordinary. And they were taking precautions. They did have lookouts. They were aware of the ice. But I guess it was like kind of the ice was kind of the worst in 50 years. So there wasn't basically anybody around that had seen anything like the ice was at this time. And there was uh, people radioing in, giving them warnings. Like, so they're on the, on the, they're, they're communicating with other ships. Like they're doing their due diligence in theory, but some stuff got lost. And then the biggest thing, and actually it looked like it was a cut scene from the movie that I saw on YouTube today, but it also shows up here in the actual historic record. So because you have all these rich people on board and because there was no Twitter or Facebook at the time, well, Twitter and Facebook was sending telegraphs to your friends back home. So, right. And, and the radio equipment had uh, malfunctioned the day before. So the radio operators were working through this vast backlog of getting all these rich people's messages sent home. And they were getting some warnings from a ship saying like, hey, we're like south of you and we're running into like some major ice here. You need to look out. They basically... I kind of ignored him for pestering them or like, Hey, I got, I'll get to that. Yeah, whatever. I'll get to you later. Leave us alone. We got to catch up on this stuff. And that basically ended up being, I I hate to say it comes down to one thing because I don't think it's any one thing, but that ends up being the, probably the fatal mistake is ignoring those warnings because they're worried about keeping the rich people happy and getting their messages sent out. Yeah. And you did make a good point when you said it is kind of like a perfect storm between, you know, the ice being so bad, they were going so fast, they didn't, you know, they weren't necessarily heeding the the warnings from the other ships in the area saying that the ice was going to be bad. And then in addition to that, the actual striking of the iceberg, rather than hitting in just one spot where it would take a long, long time for enough water to come in the ship to sink it, they basically scraped along the side. And so they punched, you know, multiple holes in multiple compartments. So it filled up a lot faster than they thought that the ship ever could, which was actually one of the reasons why they didn't have that many lifeboats because the thinking was this ship is so big that even if you punch a hole in the side of it it's going to take so long to sink that there's no way a rescue ship isn't going to get to us so the only thing we're going to need these lifeboats for is to ferry people back and forth from this ship to another ship we're never going to be in a situation where everyone's going to have to be in the water all at once but then you know obviously if you punch enough holes in a ship it'll sink a lot faster and that's just science <laughs> <laughs> so is it almost nowhere so so obviously they, they kind of turned at the last second and then just ripped just ripped a hole down the side would they have been better if they would have just hit it straight on then 
That I don't know. They would have been stuck, but they wouldn't have sunk. Right, and they it probably would have just it would have filled, you know, just that just one. that four that's that front compartment then, right? Right. Versus, you know, but you would but you would but it would have been stopped. I don't. I think it said they couldn't reverse either, right? Right. They were just going way too fast. Right. But I'm saying even even I'm saying the ship. Oh, you're was, saying the it, ship in general was maybe not even capable of reverse. I, I that sounds really ignorant. I don't know. <laughs> yeah. Maybe, <laughs> but yes, and I think you even said that four. It was designed to where it could withstand four of the compartments of the hole underneath being filled with water, but it ended up getting six of them uh, filled by uh, the way they ripped this the side open. I guess it's almost similar. Like you think, like people getting like uh, uh, stabbed or getting like uh, impaled with something that it's like you want to keep it in there versus pulling it out. That's almost maybe the comparison that you do less damage if you just kind of hit it in one spot and just kind of leave it there versus when you pull it out well one you're kind of kind of bleeding in but just you can do you can do more damage you're kind of you know the uh, you're doing damage going in and damage going out oh i also i wanted to mention here too because i thought this was crazy so as far as the height of luxury goes the top suites sold for it says over forty three hundred dollars the equivalent of $113,000 today for a ticket on in the nicest suites of this ship and that was for one way so to go from england to new york a hundred and thirteen thousand dollars in today's money oh so so i I just found something here there's an article here saying that the the actual sailing of the ship after striking the iceberg also contributed to it sinking faster that if they would have stopped the water would not have been forced into the hole as fast and the ship would not have sank as fast and possibly would have even stayed afloat long enough for a rescue ship to get to them but because they kept trying to push 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 it just forced more and more water and faster and faster interesting and it it did say a a rescue ship arrived and that that is how that is what rescued the people who were in the lifeboats remember they didn't have a place to lifeboat too they were just kind of floating right. out in the life, uh, lifeboats, or if it's Rose, she's just kind of floating on a door while uh, while Leo's in the water there. But so they did show up to rescue him the next day. Uh, yeah, and to your point there, and again, I don't know enough about the rates of water flow, but this just sounds crazy. That so water was pouring into the the hull of the ship there at about seven tons a second. Wow! And uh, and they had pumps, but the pumps were fifteen times slower than that. So obviously they just, they just, they just couldn't keep up. The captain did famously go down with the ship, and he is reported to have even said, like, beforehand, not specifically about this, but just he was definitely the kind of guy, this, you know, lifelong captain, who always just kind of felt it was his duty. If the ship goes down, you're going down with it. And that was something he was reported to have firmly believed, and, and that is indeed uh, what happened. It happens. And there's there's different stories about passengers kind of seeing him up by the... Oh, what do you call the main wheel? I was going to say the steering wheel. That's not right, but like the the, the wheelhouse. Yeah, yeah. Or they, oh, the the actual wheel itself. I uh, well, just wheel, I guess. yeah. No, I think this is the wheelhouse. Yeah. So so that the yeah that area that that he was kind of seen there as it kind of got overrun with water, and and that is believed to be the uh, the death of the Titanic captain is when the that wheelhouse area got flooded, and it was about seven hundred people or all of so over over two thousand people. Basically, and again, I'm rounding on these numbers. So over 2,000 people or 2,200 people, 1,500 died in the water there, and about 700 were able to be rescued from the lifeboats and everything else. So the person here then worth talking about is 
played by Kathy Bates in the movie Titanic, and known posthumously, it says, as the unsinkable Molly Brown. Yes. Apparently she actually did earn that nickname. Yes, yes. And I didn't know anything about her in, in the film. She Again, played by Kathy Bates. She's just kind of this boisterous, life-loving American who's just, you know, kind of wise and, and precocious and just kind of everyone is drawn to her. And I have not seen the, the film of the, because there's like a, a musical, The Unsinkable Molly Brown, and I've not seen any of that. And so I wasn't familiar with her story outside of the little snippet we get from uh, Kathy Bates in the movie here. So it was kind of interesting. She was not born into money or anything. She was just kind of, uh, where's she from? Uh, Missouri. Just a girl from Missouri. And it talks about here how she wanted to marry someone rich, but nope, she fell in love with a poor guy named name of J.J. Brown. and But later, he actually kind of struck it rich in the in the mining game. He was kind of a engineer, I guess, and kind of helped uh, his company with uh, ore mining and stuff and got a lot of stock from that. And so they kind of ended up being very wealthy through mining in Colorado. And they ended up separating in 1909. And she was kind of a, just a big traveler, just kind of enjoyed, you know, seeing the world and enjoying life. So it says in the beginning of 1912, she was actually in Egypt, but she got word that one of her grandkids back in the States was seriously ill and wanted to get back to the United States as soon as possible. And the first boat heading back to the States was the Titanic. So she was just kind of on there just because she needed to get home quick and just happened to be on the ship. And then... So she kind of had just because of the strong personality, you know, she ended up being one of the people in the lifeboats. And uh, the story goes that as the lifeboat was kind of getting away from the wreckage, she was trying to convince the people in her boat, like, no, we got to go around or go turn back and help rescue the people in the water. And it's unclear whether they were actually successful in doing that or not. But enough people kind of vouched for that story that she was willing to do that and was just kind of like not a hero per se, but definitely heroically minded and altruistic and wanting to help as many people as possible when they were stuck in this uh, dire situation. And she wasn't just thinking about herself. So from what I've read, she was in she was in a lifeboat that besides the crew member, there's like one crew member in the lifeboat with them. But the rest of the lifeboat was women, you know, because they were filling the lifeboats like women and children right. first and so on. But so, yeah, the, so the crew member is basically taking this lifeboat or the crew members are taking this lifeboat, you know, away from the wreckage. And she kind of, you know, says, hey, let's go back and try and help more people. They were like, no, we're going to, you know, we're going to stay out here. It's too dangerous over there. Um, because there were actually, uh, I guess, lifeboats that were being capsized by people trying to climb into them or even if not capsized just getting water in the boats which right. in those temperatures any any water at all is is really really bad right the, yeah we haven't mentioned the, the temperature sorry it was it, the air it was it was below freezing outside just in the air so like right. it was a cold cold night it wasn't just that the water was cold it was a cold below freezing night out on the ocean there right and which is one of the reasons that the death toll is so high you know, it's you're, you're, it's not a shipwreck like in the Caribbean where you can just kind of tread water for a little bit if you have to. Like, if you're in that water for just a few minutes, you know, you're dead. But she was eventually successful in kind of taking over the lifeboat and going back to the uh, wreckage. Um, it's it's not. I, I think you said this before, but it's not clear whether they were able to actually rescue anybody who wouldn't have survived. 
but that is apparently a true story backed up by the other members of the lifeboat and the, the crew members that she uh, convinced them to go back and, and try and save more people. Yes. It also says here that she ended up running for U.S. Senate in 1914, but ultimately ended her campaign. So it wasn't like she lost. She, she, she just kind of uh, suspended her campaign to go to France to work with the World War One effort. And she ended up being an actress at the end of her life. And so just kind of someone who just really lived her life. She was a, a philanthropist too. Not, not, you know, we kind of already have hinted at that, but yeah, she she even used her fame as a Titanic survivor. Because again, there was only seven hundred, only seven hundred people in the world could claim they survived the Titanic, and she kind of used that fame to kind of help promote issues of you know workers' rights and women's rights and literacy and all those kinds of things that she that she was interested in. So she uh, she used her notoriety and her and her wealth to good ends. It, it, it would appear so good on her, and I, I probably need to see. I guess that'd be a good companion piece to Titanic is then go back and watch The Unsinkable Molly Brown. So the other thing I wanted to mention here, and I, I don't have detailed notes on this, but so the film itself, uh, outside of the history stuff, you know, it, it uh, you know, the big kind of uh, sticking point is, is the, cla- the class differences. And that's pretty significant. And that, that's something, too, we see it a little bit kind of maybe subconsciously in the States, but I think we forget how large a uh, role that distinct class prejudices and stuff were, and to some degree still are, but definitely were an issue in Great Britain. And that the idea of, you know, in America, it would be like, well, you know, would you, you know, would you want to, you know, if someone has a completely different background from you, it just seems like maybe an odd match. But like in, in Great Britain, you could be basically socially ostracized for, having a relationship with someone outside of your class. And it was a, a much bigger deal. And it's kind of hard for us to get our heads around. But it, it, it's existed for centuries over in Great Britain. And I think only recently has maybe kind of faded away. But my understanding is that it is still it is still an issue and that they still have issues with people thinking themselves just kind of inherently above others based on, based on birth. And it even being separate from financial success. And... I've heard stories of the actor Michael Caine. He was kind of from a lower, lower class of people. And even basically right up until he became a famous actor was definitely kind of seen as less than by a lot of his British peers because uh, he kind of came from a a lower, quote unquote, class of people, so to speak. Oh, I didn't know that. One thing. So the the movie does get a lot right um, as far as its portrayal of historical figures. Uh, you know, from the way they they portray the captain to Molly Brown, um, they get a lot of little stuff right, like the uh, orchestra or the the string quartet oh, on the right. deck that plays. You know, basically up until the moment that they get in their lifeboat, and I think even the violinist stays behind, basically to kind of give you know the people that they know are gonna die, you know, one last little you know wow. ounce of comfort. But there, there is one character portrayal that they get really wrong um actually to the point where they had to apologize for it later oh really and that's and that's their portrayal of first officer william murdoch which you probably won't recognize the name Uh but he is the guy who starts shooting people on the deck when they're you know trying to get in the lifeboats and he's basically trying to keep people out of the lifeboats and start shooting them that did not happen at all so first officer william murdoch is a real person but not only was he not shooting people on the deck, he actually was doing everything he could to get as many people onto lifeboats as possible and ended up going down with the ship. He's remembered as a uh, hero 
from counts from the ship and also by the people in his uh, hometown in Scotland where there is a plaque in his memory for his heroic efforts <laughs> saving people uh, on the Titanic. And uh, his family was actually like outraged and the 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 whole t- basically the, the whole town like his whole hometown was outraged when the movie came out and he's portrays as kind of like sniveling like conniving bad guy who you know just is shooting people and then gets you know sad about it and kills himself on the deck of the titanic and that's you know basically the exact opposite of uh, wow of, yeah i hadn't of heard any actual of that. actions during the sinking of the ship and I'm trying to remember, too, is the shooting in the movie even kind of along with what I was saying about the class distinction? Like, he's basically trying to keep the poor people off the boats? Or I, I can't remember how that plays yes. out in the movie. Yeah. Yeah. So I I, I don't remember 100%, but I, I do remember there's, like, one guy. He's trying to, like, push past him to get on a lifeboat, so he shoots him. And then another guy is, like, nudged towards him accidentally, and he shoots that guy, too. And then, you know, is basically just completely ashamed and, you know, just overtaken by what he's done. And then he just turns the gun on himself and kills himself right there on the deck. And that's like his only contribution to the, to the movie is shooting two people and then killing himself. Yeah. If you're going to, if you're going to make that decision as a storyteller, you need to make that a not historical person and just make that. (laughs) Here's a, here's a crew member we've invented to do this. Not someone with actual living relatives Holy cow, I'm surprised, like you said, with everything else being so accurate, that he uh, did that. <laughs> yeah, and it's funny, so he, the uh, the producers ended up donating money to a uh, to the Murdoch Memorial Fund, which is named after him, and the uh, it says the vice president of 20th Century Fox went to Murdoch's family, but insisted that he was portrayed as a hero in the film. <laughs> what? So, yeah. How was so, that heroic? He I mean, saved us from those poor people. I, yeah, I don't know. So for the framing device in the movie Titanic, they kind of they they're on an expedition to the wreckage and they pull up the famous heart of the ocean. That is fictional. It is not an actual diamond. It was just made up for for the movie. So oh, okay, I, I knew I knew obviously I knew like Rose and and uh, oh, whoever Leo's character's name is. They, I knew they were fictional. Jack. Awesome. I knew they were, I knew they were fictional, but I wasn't sure on the heart of the ocean, but it, it was fictional as well. It kind of suggests that maybe it's kind of inspired by like something like the Hope Diamond. Oh, okay. So have you ever seen Downton Abbey? No. So I, I haven't finished it. It's uh, after a few seasons, I kind of, I don't know. It's almost kind of like the king of jumping the shark. So like it, I, I really liked it because it was a good focus on character and they kind of get to the point where they get too over the top it's like let i was fine with this just being real life you don't have to sensationalize and have all these big events i'm good with just these characters are great just keep the the realistic stories with these characters instead of making everything everything big and i mean it's almost like it had like a game of thrones style death rate for a while it seemed like anyway the first episode of downton abbey is them getting word of the sinking of the titanic and it actually kind of affects their lives directly. So that is what I do like about Downton Abbey, especially I, I do recommend at least the first uh, first two or three seasons. And they do a good job of incorporating the historical events of the 19 teens into the lives of the movies. I, I think they have, I won't even say 
they lost some cousins, and it might even be like one of the main girls in Downton Abbey, if I remember right. Like her fiance might have even been on board and died in the in the sinking of the Titanic. So it was kind of neat that a show like that you wouldn't think of anything. It wasn't connected at all. It's like no, it literally starts with the sinking of the Titanic and how it affected people back in England and their lives having known like because again they were well-to-do people too so they knew a lot of people on board and are kind of like devastated at the news that it that it went down so so tragically so just kind of a nod to that show and just kind of how it's tied in there but uh that's uh, about all i had on titanic so we'll be back on tuesday with our regular scheduled programming